Hello, and welcome to the Confident Human Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Lexia Yesa. On this podcast, you can expect to hear from people who are comfortable with the uncomfortable. Everyone you will hear from has turned one of their vulnerabilities into a superpower. Our hope is that these stories will help you have the confidence to face your demons too. Real talk, real people, all living their lives in confidence. Hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we'll be chatting with Marcus Eve. He's a storyteller, branding guru, and startup founder. Marcus and I actually went to college together, and we hold one another in high regard. He's a force of nature and has overcome more in his first 30 years of life than most people achieve in a lifetime, and all with a smile. We dive deep into his love for wellness, his struggles after countless surgeries following a tragic car accident, and how he values kindness above all. Let's jump in. Marcus, you have one of the most unique and most powerful stories, I think, to share. And I'm so excited that you're here. So please just jump in right away. Um, Let's start from the beginning. I would say that my life has been very uniquely beautiful. It's been very different. And I love that about it. Like, I'm not a conventional person. I feel very weird. And I love that. And so I'd say my story kind of begins, I was born to a teen mom, a teen girl in Kentucky, in Louisville, and she was not able to take care of me. So she put me up for adoption. And you know how that goes. I mean, of all the people, of the thousands of people on that list, I was given to a family that was full of love, full of love and wanting, wanting somebody uh, to build a family. And so, you know, I, I don't know where I could have ended up, but I found myself under a roof where love was a huge part of my childhood. And the coolest thing about it is that not only was I adopted, but my brother was adopted. My mom was adopted. My dad was adopted. Both of our grandparents were adopted and our aunt and uncle were adopted. It sounds ridiculous. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it's real, but everyone in our family came from a different place and found themselves together. And so when I think about family, it's, it's, it's not about blood for me. It's about about just a mutual uh, connection and an appreciation for finding you. And so when I have friends in my life and I have people in my life, I feel like they're family because that's, it's just no different. And I've never had somebody that, that really looks like me. I've never really had, I've never had that before. It was an incredible, incredible thing that happened where I got, you know, given to this family and raised in Connecticut and had a really, really sweet upbringing that really brought me to uh, about 16 years old. I, um, I went to India and I went there. My parents sent me there to study philosophy. And I'll be honest, I was a spoiled, a spoiled kid in Connecticut. And so my parents sent me to India, spent about three, a little over three weeks there. And we flew into Chennai, went to places like Chidambaram and Durugurugundaram and Madurai and all these unbelievably crazy, wildly different places than my world. And as a young kid, I couldn't understand why people were, were so much happier than I was. I, I, I somehow realized that I wasn't happy if I didn't have my next Xbox game or my next iPod. And I, I saw what they had and I saw it as, no, I don't have anything, right? They just had their family, their faith and their, you know, their, their mud hut. But they were so 
much happier than I was. I could tell. And it made me really, really, really question what was going on in my head. And at 16, I, because of travel and because of seeing another culture, I was able to make a conscious shift in my perspective and to start to see things through positive light and start to appreciate things. And that's really the beauty of travel. And I, I, I was there and I, I, made a, I made a short film about how it had changed my, my life. Wait, you did that when you were 16? Yeah. That is amazing. You recognized, hey, yeah. this is so life altering. The trip was so powerful for me. I, I, I filmed as much as I could. And when I watched, I won my school's film festival. Um, and when I watched their reaction, that emotional reaction, I knew I was going to tell stories for the rest of my life. I was completely hooked. I see film as a teleportation device. You know, a lot of people in our country and in our world don't leave their own state, let alone their own county. They're not exposed to other cultures. And so I recognize that, that incredible responsibility and power that you have as a storyteller and as a filmmaker to be able to bring people to the world and to educate the world on a, on, a, on a really deep level. And it's something that to this day, I believe you know, we're in this political climate because of a lack of cultural exposure, a lack of celebra- celebration around cultures and different cultures and people of culture. And, and I want to tell stories. I want to travel the world and tell stories that, that, that really move people to understand that we're all, all so similar and we are all so connected and we are all so, so uniquely beautiful. And I, 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 fell in love with storytelling. So I said, I have to go to USC film school. It's the best film school in the world. I had, I don't have great grades, but I have to get out to California. Sent them all, all of my movies, all the things that I had done, trying to really show how passionate I was about going to USC. And thank God I was accepted as a spring admin. So I came in in the, in the spring. So I didn't, my grades didn't have to affect the numbers. We say that we're the cool kids. You're pretty smart though, Marcus. So let's thank not. You. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I was so, so excited. All I had to do was wait four months. Um, and so I actually went to community college nearby, my, my home in Connecticut. And it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because I was able to step out of this, this bubble that I, that I was in and really witness you know, a, more, a, a more normal experience. And so I stepped into just my first semester in college, at my dream school on the other side of the country. And I was on a cloud. I, I, I found myself, you know, deep into the fraternity system. You know, there's so many positive aspects of, of that culture and that experience. But it wasn't until March 29th, an evening, it was a Saturday night. I was, I was on the porch at Lambda Chi. Um, and uh, I was asked to walk a, a friend home um, as a pledge. I said, of course. Uh, and it was Audrey, who was my, in my grade. She was awesome. And we were walking back to, um, to New North. And I remember leaving the house. Um, I remember walking down University Ave. It was actually a funny night. The, the, girl, the, um, the girl that evening that I was really had a crush on was a chaperone at, at the event. And so we weren't drinking. I wasn't drinking. So I really, really remember everything so vividly. Um, and so I remember walking down University Ave with Audrey. And as we approached the intersection at, um, at Hoover and Jefferson there, right by the Finger Fountain, right by uh, USC, I remember looking both ways and stepping into the street. And, you know, the next thing I know, I, I wake up on the side of the side of the road. Um, and I look down at my body, all the clothes are ripped, ripped from my body. Um, all the bones are sticking out of my legs. Um, the, the muscles are on the outside of my arms. And I'm lying in a pool of, of, of blood. And I have no idea what just happened. 
I have no idea what just happened, but I could see that I could somehow understand I was by the Shrine Auditorium, right? Somehow at USC. And I was, my back was on the sidewalk and my feet were in the street. And I watched somebody get into a car, uh, yell, and then leave. And after I looked down at my legs and saw the bone sticking, sticking out, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't look, I couldn't look down. And so I had no idea what had happened, but I knew after I wiggled my kneecaps and my toes that I wasn't paralyzed. And whatever it took, I was going to fight and I was going to, I was going to beat whatever this was. And so I, I made that decision that I was going to do everything I could. And I just mustered up every ounce of willpower in my body and screamed and yelled with all my might to have somebody, somebody there. And it was very surreal. I, I like to, I like to think that it was kind of like, um, like to describe it as kind of like, like drowning and you're underwater and you're suffocating and you can kind of feel that you're seconds away from losing all, all of the energy in your body, but you just sort of muster up this, this might, this energy, this inside of you and you just fight it. It was the closest place you've ever been to death. Yeah, it was. So I lost four pints of blood in, in two and a half minutes and you lose seven pints of blood, you, you pass. And so if I was there for another minute or two, it was two and a half minutes and an ambulance was there. Um, luckily, there were some Sigma Chi's that were right in front of us in the intersection, could, um, could hear the, the sounds of what had happened, um, could unfortunately see Audrey and could hear me in the distance. And an ambulance was there in two and a half minutes. I mean, thank God for those Sigma Chi's and that ambulance being there. Yeah, I was hit by a 40 mile an hour car head on and I went through the windshield and instead of stopping, the car kept driving. So imagine that from my, um, from my waist down to my feet, I'm inside of the car and from here out, I'm outside of the car. And there was a seven month old baby in the back seat screaming the whole time and they were just wasted. They were unlicensed, uninsured, unemployed, and they were picking their kid up from a party in the valley, um, ran the red light right there, um, and unfortunately hit Audrey and I. And it is, um, yeah, it's, it is, it's been, um, it's been over a decade now and it's been the most powerful day of my life, but one that has given me actually many uh, superpowers as well. Um, my understanding or my recognition that I went through something so severe that I flipped through the air, flew through the windshield, you know, all these things and nothing hit my head. The chances of that, the doctors said, you're impossible. There's no chance that you're not going to hit your head. You're going to fall off a bike going five miles an hour and you can hit your head, but nothing hit my head. And so it took four years, eight major operations, relearning how to walk, beating two, two heavy addictions, physical addictions, to OxyContin because you're living on this stuff. Um, and so there was so many opportunities for me to become strong, to become stronger mentally and physically. And I leaned into those opportunities and I, I leaned into that struggle and it was the most rewarding you know, process of my life. Um, and to this day, I'm so physically and mentally strong because of that. I know that if I can get through this, what, what can I not get through? I think about it, you know, sometimes I'll be, I'll be just sitting in traffic on the, on the highway and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tear up because I get to experience the most simple mundane thing, 
You know, I, I, I almost had my cognitive ability taken away. I was in a wheelchair for a long time, you know, being back at six foot four and being independent. It, it's, it's, it's a true gift. And I can't help but think about it every day. And it, it overwhelms me. And I have so much trouble kind of describing it that I, what I do is I let it pour into my work. And as an entrepreneur and as a storyteller and as a, a technologist, I just let that passion for experience and passion for life really pour into my work. And it's been, I believe, eight years since I graduated. Um, and the projects that I've been a part of, um, it's just been so amazing to live my craft. And so for me, confidence, as I've explained to you, is the ultimate currency. And I don't care who you are, if you've got that confidence, I'm going to be like, yo, because there's something about somebody that owns who they are, that lets their freak flag fly. And authenticity, when you see it, it's, it's so powerful. It's a superpower. And you know, working with you, I've, I've come to understand, you know, uh, how a product like, like what you're working on or, or as an organization like the Confidence Company can have a real impact and how our health and our gut and our confidence and how we feel and how we think, these things are all connected. If we can have more transparency and more information and more celebration around these types of ideas and organizations and make them completely normalized, it's a beautiful thing. And of course, storytelling is going to be a play a huge role in yeah, tell and helping people understand and translating the value. You really have overcome so much through your health journey. And you had to take opioids as a part of your recovery process. Weaning yourself off a drug like that, let alone taking one, can put immense pressure on your body and your gut microbiome. You coming out the other side of a serious accident and a full body addiction is such an inspiration for so many. Tell us more on how you got through that tough time in your life. I have so much compassion for um, for all the people right now that are dealing with, with with opioids because it really was so misunderstood. And my my struggle with it was years. It was you know a decade ago and. There was no, there was no one was, no one was talking about it. There was no, I remember being uh, alone in my bed, you know, Googling how to get off Oxycontin. And I'm on all these message boards and I'm reading all these crazy stories. And you can imagine the types of people that are there. And I'm just overwhelmed, scared, uneducated around this. I remember when they discharged me, there was, uh, it was, there's two big brown bags with just, just, I don't know, 10 bottles, huge mega bottles of pills. And they just give them to you and, and they, they say, see ya. And I didn't really understand it, but when I was fully, fully addicted, I felt I, I couldn't believe that they had done this to me almost. Like, how am I in this position where if I don't have one of these things, I can't function? And it's one of those moments throughout this journey where you are able to develop more compassion, more understanding, and more awareness. But there was a moment where I, I understood that I was physically completely addicted. And it wasn't actually a mental addiction. It was a physical addiction. And so the, what allowed for me, because of my mental fortitude, I had been working so much on staying strong and, and, and toughing through things. The thing that held me through it, I remember being in 130 pounds. I was 200 pounds when I was in the accident. And it was what saved my life. The doctor said all the pull-ups, all the push-ups I did before I got out to USC helped me save my life. And so when I was in the hospital in a body cast for you know, over 35 days, I, my whole body atrophied. And so I'm 130 pounds, I'm in this wheelchair, I'm, I'm, I remember being in a bathtub at my mom's place, 
and I couldn't even pull myself out of the bathtub. And there's this, you don't know, know what the word apathy is until you are apathetic. To feel like not caring about anything was just, oh my God. And I thought about how much life I had in front of me. I thought about how amazing my family has been for me. I thought about all these incredible things in my life. And it was that, the support that I had for my family and my mom and my brother and my dad, every, every sorority and fraternity that showed up to the hospital with a, with a whole board of everyone's names, signs saying that, you know, wishing me well, it was, it was that love. And it kept me going. So I've been on the opioids basically every day for about three and a half, four years, right? And so there was a moment in the middle where I was like, I have to get off of these. But then there was the second time where I had to get off them for the rest of my life, basically. And it took 30 days of going from nine pills of 30 milligrams of OxyContin a day down to one. And it was one day where I it was towards the end, the end of the evening and you go, to, you go wow, I, I forgot to take my pill today. And it's not till then where you say, wow. And it's, it's one of those holds on your body where you can't even take an elevator ride up. You can't even get out of bed. You can't, your body can't function, right? Your mind doesn't work. Your body doesn't work. And it's just crippling. And so to be able to you know, begin my journey out of that and realize that I'm able to live a day without one of these pills in my body, it was, I'll never forget it. And I think about my ability to overcome something like that. And I use it to this day to break through and develop the confidence that I need to overcome something. Everything kind of leads up to the next best thing. That's what I like to think at least. Yeah. No, things that happen, things in life, they really do happen for a reason. And you have to look uh, at things that have happened and, and say, you know what? That didn't serve me. And I'm going to put myself in an environment. I'm going to surround myself with people that feed my soul. I just turned 31. And I'm at that stage in my life where I'm like, okay, what have I done, right? And I realize that it's not about what I have or money or success or cars or anything. It's, it's who, who, I've, who I've become. And, and that, that sword, that, that passion that I've been just sharpening or, or working on has gotten better and better every day. And I feel so powerful as a person, as a human. I get my greatest joy from helping people. And so for me on a daily basis to, you know, to work with, with brands, to work with different types of people, different types of organizations, to, to ultimately help them translate to the world what they do through storytelling. Um, and I think confidence is a, is a big part of that, um, whether it's through the design or it's through the way we articulate the, the, little, the essence of who this company is or who they are. Um, confidence is everything. So yeah, it all comes, comes back. Well, first off, let me just say, you are the most confident human. I mean, to get through something like that on your own, I know you had the support of your friends and family, but still it's a mental thing. And that is confidence in yourself right there. You just defined it. Yeah. I'll never forget that conversation we had at Bodega. I know. Here we are, like yes. almost two years later. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. It's, it's so cool to see people say they're going to do something. And then they do it. And not only do they do it, but they knock it out of the park. And you're just like, whoa, like, where, like was this a team? Like, well, how did she do this? And then you like slowly deconstruct it. You realize it was basically her working every day on this incredible passion project that she's brought together these people and she's kicking ass. And it makes me so like, I love having friends like that, that 
inspire you, that push you, that surprise you, that make you get out of bed and want to start your own thing. And that's why I'm so happy to have you in my life. You are a, every time I connect with you, I feel more inspired. I feel more, uh, more, more powerful, more confident. I feel the same way. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. I really do. And I really just want to help you and I mean, not that you need much help, but you know, lift you up in that way. And so any way that I can do that, you know, I'm here for you on that. And more so, I'm just very excited about all this stuff. So tell me a little bit. So you're doing a lot of film right now. So, so my, so my, pa my passions are storytelling and yes. technology. And over the last about five, six years, I found myself pretty deep uh, in the technology world. What a, what a time for us to be alive, by the way. I was having a conversation the other day about how millennials actually start in 1980, our entire section of humans, yeah. and how millennials in general, we are the generation of technology. And they're almost micro generations within the millennial generation because things have changed and altered so much in like 10 year spans. I mean, I was born yeah. in 89. Were you born in 90? I'm pretty sure. 89. 89 too. Okay. Well, I'm going to say like, we really were kind of on the precipice of new age technology. And it's so cool yeah. that we actually were able to be the first person to hold an iPod or the new iPhone. Look at this. Here's the uh, first uh, iPhone. Look at this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You have the first iPhone. It's insane. Yeah. It's so great. I want to just bring it to a party and just be like, yo, mom, you there? You need to bring that to a party. The next party that we can all socially gather at, <laughs> please do. We really are a digital generation. And for me to be able to take this love of storytelling and bring it to an industry like technology that really is sort of craving humanity, that's craving authenticity, that's so robotic and alg algorithmic. So I've been able to really have an impact and really be able to take this concept of communication, storytelling, and bring it to technology. And when I'm in a, you know, a room full of technologists, I'm really able to help uh, articulate things in a different way when we're trying to speak to you know, specific audiences. I have a, a, a film that I, I did with my best friend. His name is Cassius Corrigan, and he is the most talented screenwriter I've, I've ever met. We met at USC, and we had a f our first film come out on HBO last weekend. And it is so... BRB, I need yeah. to go watch it right now. <laughs> yeah. It is so, so surreal. Cassius wrote, direct, and stars in, in his first film. And it's about, it deals actually with the mystery of mental illness um, and really showcases this really unique form of mental, mental health therapy um, that really allows for people to access the traumas um, that have been with them since childhood. Uh, and stars Yara Martinez from um, uh, Jane the Virgin. She's this therapist and helps Cassius who stars in the film as a, a mixed martial art fighter who's trying to uh, pursue his, his dream of fighting while dealing with multiple personality disorder. It's really, really interesting to see Cassius, who, didn't, who has not acted a day in his life, take on this role and actually crush it. Um, and he actually got the, the top fighter in the world for MMA, his name is Jorge Masvidal, to star in the film alongside of him. And so HBO, of course, loved that you know, we had the, the top fighter in, in, in the sport in our film, and we had um, this really rich, authentic Latino experience. Cassius is from Miami, so we worked really hard to capture uh, an authentic Miami we really haven't seen on camera. And HBO loved it and bought it. So it's been a thrill to have that um, come to fruition. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. And wait, so how, how long were you working on that? So Cassius has been working on that for four years. 
and we've been working together for three years. He he worked on it probably like, I don't know, 10 different drafts of this and put everything he had into it. And you you really feel that um, and you really see the the amount of, of detail and, and, and passion you put into it. So yeah, definitely check it out. It's a dark one though. It's not it's not a, uh, a light film. It's um, really thought provoking. And um, so that's been really great. But for the last, uh, since, since college, I've been um, really working hard on developing my own design studio. Um, it's called Eve and Company. And it was formerly called Vibrancy. Uh, but it's really my home for all of my creative uh, and technology endeavors. And so uh, it's been really great to have an outlet for me to really practice my love of design and my love of branding and, and storytelling. Uh, and then of course have a film project um, like Huracan which is on uh, HBO and HBO Max right now. Go check it out. It's Huracan with an H. It's Hurricane in Spanish. And, um, and yeah, I have a couple of technology companies that uh, have been awesome. It's been a really, really weird year, uh, of course, for everybody. But there's been a ton of silver linings, and I'm, I'm seeing those silver linings through. Yeah, what, what, are, what are some of your silver linings for the year? COVID has made meetings actually extremely easy for me because you know without even putting on pants I can just hit a button and I'm connecting with people I'm connecting with team members and so I've actually had hundreds hundreds of meetings I would not have had because I wouldn't I wouldn't have you know swept across town to go to Echo Park or you know gone to the valley uh, and so to have all of that interaction you know actually a lot of the projects that I've been working on have been coming along really quickly because there's been a lot of productivity and so that ability to be social when for the last couple of years, I actually haven't been that social because I've been working so much on, on these technology products and on design. The only time that we could see you is if we go to Bodega and we catch you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it was, it's actually, I've been the, my most social. I know it sounds crazy. My most social during uh, COVID. I mean, you get those group chats with, with old friends and you have the, the happy hours. Um, and then of course, now that we've been able to see each other again, it's been, you know, you see somebody and it's magnetic because you've craved them, you now see them, you get to spend time with them, and you just, you are able to appreciate the smallest, minute things. And I love it. My stepmom actually said, um, or really explained to me that she's been able to do yoga and energy work classes with people around the world, that she's always wanted to do these classes with, but has never been able to. Is she, is she does yoga and energy work, or is she, want, is she taking classes from those people? So she is an incredible energy worker. She's an incredible energy worker. Yes. What? And New intel here because I would love to try. <laughs> yes. She is. Has, yeah. She's incredible. My, my, my dad uh, was also a, both yoga instructors um, and Kat really, you know, I've gotten I'm really, really, um, really good at understanding energy and really helping people tap into that force field that we have within us um, and understanding the layers of our, of ourselves and, and how we're all so, so connected and, um, I, having that, you know, that force in my life, um, those sorts of forces, it's been so, po it's been so positive growing up with, with, with that. This makes yeah. a lot of sense to me now. I understand yeah. why you're so receptive and can read energy yeah. so well now that you've had that as something that's a reoccurring theme in your life through your parents. What is your uh, definition, I guess, of self-care per se? Understanding that what, what makes you you is the most incredibly powerful thing that you've got going on. And you need to lean into that and be, you need to be that person. And you need to, you're going to have probably people in life that are not going to understand you know, wh who you are. And that's okay. But if you understand that you are 
powerful. I feel like self-care is me doing anything that makes me feel that way. And so for me, that's being creative. That's going and reading and learning a new skill. Self-care is always different, I think, for everyone. And that's why I think it's actually a really powerful tool. Uh, but I think that it's really great that you define self-care as stepping into your power. I think that's great. I agree. I mean, any way I can nourish my mind, body, and soul to make me more powerful is how I would define self-care. I mean, obviously, your whole life, you've drawn inspiration from everything that's gone on. Um, and you've drawn power from it, too. It is your superpower, everything that's not that's happened to you, you've made work for you, which is incredible. And I think that more people need to know how important that is. Where do you draw inspiration from uh, on a daily basis? How do you kind of get yourself in a central mindset that makes you feel powerful and connected uh, so other people can figure out how to lean into themselves like you do? Yeah, I would say personally for me, it is noticing and cherishing the the details. And so I like to see myself as a designer. The way I see the world is like a designer. And when I wake up and I see a golden light and I see a shadow and I see a refraction of light and then I see the little light hitting my you know my watch and going around, I am just it sounds silly, but I I am just I see that as magic. I see light and shadows and the way that the leaves when they take the ocean breeze into my room, the leaves rustle right? And then you feel that on your body. It is, the, it is the experience. It's the rumble of thunder. It's the, it's the feeling of ocean breeze on your skin. It is the feeling of, you know, the wet grass when you're, you know, lying down on it. It's these things that are experiences. And I'm so hypersensitive to them because of the things that I've been able to go through. I love that. That's magic right there. That's where you get all the magic touches and you can actually show people roll out the red carpet to understand how important it is for them to live life to the fullest. Um, and also take time to look at the little things like you just said. And to wrap up, my last question, which I think you've already answered a few times because I love how much you touched on it, is how do you define confidence? Confidence to me, as you know, is, is, a, is a really, really powerful currency. And, and currency is this thing that we can exchange, we can share, and is really valued highly. And there is a, something special about confidence. It's something that you can actually develop. It's something that you can actually learn and you can grow into. It's very different than you know, certain intelligences or certain things that either have it or you don't, right? You're either an athlete or you're not a lot of the time. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. It is. Yeah. And so everybody has the opportunity to develop and, and, and grow into their confidence. But it's, it is extremely difficult because we have all these challenges mentally and physically that we, that we see these limiting beliefs that we see in front of us. And it takes time. It takes support and experiences and failing and learning and, and, and getting back up. Embracing, I think, as you said, actually, uh, you're 110% of your most authentic self. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So once you, once, you can, once you can really lean into that and appreciate your authentic self, first you have to figure out who that is, right? And really, really understand that and accept that. Um, but lean into it. And everyone around you is going to take note. And it's going to be beautiful to see that shift. I know from experience that there are going to be certain moments, whether it's a specific date or a specific you know, presentation in business, there are going to be moments where a confidence company can have a huge impact because when my gut feels off, when I have a stomach thing going on, when I feel bloated, 
I can't do anything. I'm completely like it takes over my body. Right? Well, that's you're also almost- stress, right? If you're, if you're stressed, it completely blocks your digestive system. And so that alone can make you have serious indigestion. And so it's, it's a root cause, stresses. And that's another thing that's been really apparent during this time of the pandemic. And so really important to understand your body and really take care of your gut because it really spreads into everything else in your life. Yeah, it sure does. It's, it's great work that you do. Thank you, Marcus. You are amazing. Uh, I really yeah. appreciate you being on here and telling your story. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Your vote of confidence goes a long way, and that's the best way to support the show. If you want more information on our guest, you can find out how to support them in our show notes, and you can go on our Instagram, Confident Human Podcast. Don't forget to join me every week for new episodes available Wednesdays on all major podcast platforms. See you next week.